Why do folks make charitable gifts? What motivates them? Lots of reasons, right? The cause is near and dear. A friend is connected with an organization and makes an ask, or a disaster prompts action. Most of these are decisions of the heart. But how educated do you think most donors are about the organizations they support or invest in? Do they know the budget size? Does the organization have a strategy for the future? Where does your gift fall into the plan to raise money to support that strategy? Most donors don't have a clue. And let's face it, there are a ton of nonprofits out there that would prefer a donor not ask. Maybe the organization is struggling. Maybe it doesn't really have a strategy yet. So we've got this kind of don't ask, don't tell thing going on. It's not good for the donors, not good for the sector. I want to see donors more educated about the great work of organizations and about the power of philanthropy. Because we all know this, the more donors know, the more they give. And transparency in the sector is key. My guest today has addressed this very set of issues, and in so doing, has built lasting partnerships between donors and organizations, and is working to build a culture of philanthropy in a Florida county with 2,000 registered nonprofits. Today, she's ready to share the recipe, the tools, and the outcomes. Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, author, blogger, and founder of the Nonprofit Leadership Lab gets it. She is here to help. Roxy Jordy became president and CEO of the Community Foundation of Sarasota County in 2011, managing an asset base of $360 million. Roxy arrived to Sarasota to make a mark, and indeed she has. Roxy has worked closely with community foundation donors along with nonprofits, businesses, and other foundations to increase efficiency through new technology and collaborative efforts with the objective of solving important issues affecting the community. Roxy spearheaded the launch of Donor Edge, locally branded as the giving partner in partnership with local foundations and six successful giving challenges that have raised more than $40 million for nonprofits in Sarasota County, strengthened by support from the Patterson Foundation. Roxy's been a leader in numerous community collaborations, including Season of Sharing, a community initiative for those on the verge of homelessness, the Campaign for Grade Level Reading, Any Given Child, which works to expand arts education, ensuring access and equity for all students. She also spearheads the Two Gen Initiative, which focuses on creating opportunities for and addressing the needs of both vulnerable children and their parents together, informed by a partnership with Ascend from the Aspen Institute. Before she made the move into philanthropy, Roxy held a number of senior marketing positions and product development work at for-profit companies, including an 11-year career at Hallmark Cards. She holds an MBA, but in fact was a nursing major in college before switching to business. Roxy, it's really nice to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Joan. I'm delighted to have this opportunity to have a conversation with you. Delighted to share your uh, insights about what you have learned based on the, kind of the varying kinds of innovations you have spearheaded. So first things first, I love reading people's bios on these podcasts because I love hearing about career paths. So you were on the track for a nursing degree, then an MBA, then another switch to nonprofit where you've held executive positions in two prominent community foundations. I think we need to hear this story. <laughs> Well, uh, Joan, we each have a unique journey, and um, as you and I first talked, 
Um, I was indeed a nursing major at the University of Iowa, and I was in the middle of my junior year in college when I recognized that nursing was really not the path forward for me. Um, Science was not my strongest suit, and you kind of need to have that science background to be an effective nurse. But what I did have is a real desire and a compassion for others, and that really drove me to want to be a nurse and at that time even wanted to join the Peace Corps and, um, of course, save the world. But I uh, switched to business and had to graduate in four years. I'm the oldest of four kids, and my dad was very firm about that. Um, And once I switched to business, I absolutely loved it and um, the particularly marketing courses. So that got me into a career in business. I worked in retailing and banking before I went back to school and I got an MBA and I found my way to Hallmark Cards, which is headquartered in Kansas City, where I was living. And at Hallmark, I had such a great experience and working in a multi-billion dollar corporation. And Joan, you really made me reflect on the places I've been and why I've worked at certain places, companies. And Hallmark is a great example. It is all about relationships. Their product is about nurturing relationships, about connecting people, about celebrating key events in life. So if you think about where we, are, where I am now in a career in philanthropy, um, it's also about connecting, it's about relationships, and it's also about being smart from a business sense as how you mobilize resources on the goals that you're trying to achieve. So as I left Hallmark and found my way into the community foundation world, it was really by way of being very involved on boards of nonprofits in Kansas City. Um, As I saw that governance side of it and really began to understand how does a nonprofit accomplish its mission? What are its goals? How does it do that effectively and with the impact, the outcomes, just like a business is trying to achieve their results, how a nonprofit approaches that? So as I share that, I realize along the way, my education and experiences from business and personally how I was spending my time were really preparing me to have this field um, or career in the community, which has landed me in the community foundation world, which I absolutely love. The um, it's a very interesting thing to think about. I I hadn't really thought about Hallmark as being about relationships, but in some ways, it's a business that's all about you know matters of the heart. Totally connecting, caring about other people, and it is a family-owned business. It is rare in this day and age to have a private company that has survived 
oh my heavens, Hallmark probably is 90 years old now. Um, but it's also an example of you've got to evolve with the times. And I, you know, they're having a struggle with a product that a younger generation is not as um, apt to want to use or even feel it's that relevant. So um, I think in business as in our nonprofit world, there's very applicable lessons learned as the world evolves technology um, if you're a nonprofit, what's your product or program that you're doing and how are you changing as the world is changing, not only in your what you're doing, but obviously attracting donors to support you. So it, as I've talked to you over time, it's very clear that this word community runs deep in you. And you have now been a senior executive in one of the largest community foundations in the country and now run one of the largest community foundations in Florida. And the work you have become known for is really innovation in creating communities of philanthropists and philanthropy. Where does your commitment to community come from? You know, Joan, there is something um, inside of me, as I bet inside of so many of your listeners, that you just feel by coming together, we can do so, so, so much more than if we do it by ourselves, do it alone. I think part of it too comes from me, a curiosity, a learning, a uh, opportunity, particularly at a community foundation or a foundation, that we can see the landscape of the entire community. And it feels like a constellation to me, like how do we connect people? They can learn together, they can do more together. So we see it from donors as they have an issue they care about, as well as our nonprofit partners on really fostering that idea of not competition. And I know we'll talk about our giving challenge, which in a way is a giving competition, but it's done so in the spirit of bringing people together to really be stronger, better, do more. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I, I look forward to sharing some of that with listeners. I I find out that I want to dig into this, this issue of innovation with you, Roxy. So you're an almost nurse turned businesswoman, turned philanthropist, uh, turned community builder. And here you are with this kind of unique set of skills in your rollerboard. At each step along the way, you've gathered something and popped it in your suitcase and carried it with you. Um, and it afforded you the opportunity to solve, to solve a problem or fill a gap in the philanthropic community when you arrived in Kansas City at that foundation. Can you talk about the gap or the problem that you saw? Let's start there, and then we can talk about the innovation that you spearheaded to solve. I think when I was at the Greater Kansas City Community Foundation, where I was privileged to work for eight years, and I believe they're the third largest community foundation in the country with two and a half-ish billion dollars of assets over, at the time I was there, 3,000 plus donors. The scale and magnitude of giving that was happening through the foundation made us realize we had a responsibility to work with our donors to inform them better of where their charitable investments not only were going, but what they were achieving. 
we worked with a lot of business people, entrepreneurs who had made their money, they'd worked hard, and they wanted to work hard to give it away effectively. So we took the analogy of Morningstar in the business world, which is a place you go when you can learn about companies and the different aspects of what makes a well-run company be a well-run company. So we took that philosophy and thought, you know what, we want to create a nonprofit database that will give a level playing field and platform. So every nonprofit, whether it's a volunteer has a 50,000 a year budget, or obviously some nonprofits are hundred plus million dollar budget, several thousand employees. But how do I have a lens or a platform for a donor to be able to take a look at what is that what are the criteria that makes an effective and efficient nonprofit? And how could I have a simple, free, 24-hour platform to get that knowledge? So that was the premise that we started with. And this, um, Joan, this was in 2002, 2003. Mm -hmm. So um, we had to figure out a way, how can we get nonprofits in Kansas City? They have the keys to the data. So how can we partner with them? Um, and it was a hard sell for some. And even to this day, this commitment, as we know, to transparency, absolutely critical. And whenever there is a scandal in the nonprofit sector, it puts a black eye on all of us. Yeah. Having tools, be it GuideStar, who is our technology partner for the giving partner or this donor edge platform, it's branded differently in different communities. But um, I could not be more excited that we did get our nonprofit partners to participate with us in Kansas City. They put the information in. Um, what has helped, we've had a experienced person take 990s, however, in audits and put the data in. So we know we have a consistent way to look at financial trends. We show a three-year trend line on revenue expenses and major categories. But what it has helped do, and I think over years now, nonprofits recognize they don't have the template. They don't have the playbook. What should I be doing whether I'm a startup, I'm a new leader, I'm a new board member, uh, what are the key areas that can make me better at what I do? I get that a donor can learn more about, say, all the organizations fighting homelessness and educate themselves about their plans and their finances all in one place. That benefit is really clear to me. But let's say I run a small nonprofit in Sarasota. What are the requirements of my participation? What do I need to put together in order to be a part of it? What do you ask organizations to provide? And is it a steep hill to climb for some organizations? Uh, it is a little daunting when one first goes to fill out the profile, as we call it here. It has, um, it, when you print, if you would print out a report, it's probably 10 to 12 pages so when you sit down to start completing this um, profile with information about uh, you, it's kind of like going to the doctor's office and they're asking you your prescriptions and you're like, I don't have all that. So it takes some time. You need other people to help you. 
But once you have done it, we then ask you to update it at least once a year. It's only as valuable as the information is relatively current. So what nonprofits have learned, once they do get it in in there, so to say, the update process is much less daunting and time-consuming. So we're asking questions about overall mission, what are your needs statement, what are your financials, help us understand your management and your governance, and what are your programs, what are your evidence of success. And we really flipped it on the, um, instead of going down a complex theory of change and some of the buzzwords. We wanted this to be user-friendly, if you will, not only for donors, but for that small nonprofit. So we asked questions like, what's your evidence that your program is working? So we tried to flip it from the nonprofit's perspective because they know what's working and not working. So we've hopefully helped them even articulate themselves about the outcomes they're trying to achieve with their programs and what are their own checkpoints to know if they're working or not working. So I jumped through these hoops. What's in it for me? I have so much going on just to handle my programs. And now you're asking me to put all this material together, put it into a database I'm a little nervous about it because now donors are going to go crawl into my, <laughs> into my data and, and maybe I'm not going to, maybe it's not going to reflect that well on me. Whereas, boy, if I sat down with a donor, I could make the case with passion and compelling, and then I could put those numbers and that data in some context. So what's the payoff for me as a small nonprofit where the data may not actually really flatter the heck out of me? <laughs> Um, well, first of all, the IRS has given you the status of a public charity. And as we know, if you're receiving public dollars, you need to be showing what you're doing for public good. So I, we like to remind people that's an important responsibility that you have and yeah. understanding where those dollars go. And uh, our approach is we want to be your partner and we want to walk with you to be more effective. So our foundation offers a lot of nonprofit services and training. So to your point, and when our non particularly smaller ones started going through this, we are asking them a lot of questions and they have to answer yes, no, or in progress. So we're going to ask, do you, do you uh, have a strategic plan? Do you have a fundraising plan? Do you have a communications plan? So we're asking a lot of questions. And if you're going through putting no on all of those, you're kind of feeling, ooh, I don't know how this is, is this really that good? But we really work then with a nonprofit to say, you don't need to do all of this immediately. I think I shared with you, and I, I, we, we have Paneras here, and I go in, and I'm a big fan of the pick two menu. So I like to work with nonprofits and their boards. Why don't you pick two things this year? You know, what can you get done this year? And we'll help you think through what might be most important for you to do to begin with. And we, like many community foundations or foundations across the country, 
we provide support to build that capacity, that muscle to make you stronger. So we will do trainings on strategic planning. Here's templates. We have consultants that'll work with you. But um, like all of us, unless you bite-size things, they're overwhelming. So we really encourage our partners, pick two things that you can do this year, and let's pick two next year. And before you know it, wow, I've gotten a lot done, and my organization is much better for it. So let's bring it to life for listeners, both on the donor side, if you can, on the donor side and on the nonprofit side. Um, can you can you give us a, a a success story where a donor really benefited and a success story maybe they're combined a success story where the nonprofit perhaps skeptically joined in um, and um, was uh, rewarded in a in a in a way that felt really powerful to them. Um, yes, uh, I'll, let me share with you um, a story about a nonprofit called Project 180. And we chose them specifically to be the first nonprofit that did a profile when I brought Donor Edge to Sarasota, which my board had requested and was excited to do. Project 180 is a uh, prison reentry nonprofit to help. Um, people uh, re-enter into society. They were basically a volunteer organization with a part-time executive director. And we felt if they could do a profile um, that, you know what, anybody else could do it. Barbara Richards is the executive director and she did that. Fast forward now, we're six years later after launching this. And we've also done six of these giving challenges. She now has more staff. Her budget has increased tremendously. She has learned donor stewardship by participating in our giving challenge and has built on it year after year. She is someone who swears by this roadmap, this playbook that she got on how to, over time, build her capacity and be able to work on her donors, resources, revenue building model, as well as what her programs were. She has just opened this year now a, a home that will provide supportive services um, for people that are being released. It is a marvelous story of how she built, built capacity over time with the help of this tool, the Giving Partner. Now, how does, how do people, how did people find out about it? So I'm, I'm now in this database. Right. Um, how um, clearly people found out about her organization. Did they find out about it through this database? So if I'm a donor, how do I learn about this organization? How did it come to be that I knew and that I could participate and engage and invest in the work that she was doing? Part of it is our ability to have other foundations, um, our own um, opportunity through our REACH and the Community Foundation to continually be touting uh, the giving partner at, in our community. Um, and that has helped us a lot by just, this is available, this is here, this is where I need to go to to look for this. So that just almost grasps Root's ability to, to um, tout the database. 
our giving challenge that we do is another phenomenal way that people get very intrigued in part because we have a leaderboard and they start seeing organizations they've never heard of and they begin to explore who they are and that often results in people giving to them as well. So it's multiple pronged things that we do through our network, as well as what, in this case, Project 180, what they've done has their network and donor base has expanded as well. I'm thinking a lot about um, people who have an interest in giving topically issues that matter to them. Right. Right. So I'm a donor and I'm and I'm new to Sarasota and I want to get get engaged. And let's say that I have a relative who was incarcerated and I can go to this database and I can look at the different organizations that are involved in this space. And I can you know, people don't make decisions based solely on budget size and strategic plan, but maybe I would go and visit and I might volunteer or something and I would learn about that organization in that way. And it it feels so terribly timely to me at the moment as we think about all of the issues that are creating a tremendous amount of tension in our own country around immigration. So, right. Right. So you have people, there are people today who are saying, I want to help in some way. How can I do that? And to be able to go into a database and explore in your own backyard, in your own county, who is involved in the immigration space and learn what they, they are doing to address issues that you have um, serious, deep-rooted concerns about is, feels like a real opportunity. Well, and our donors and our community attracts a lot of folks who are retiring. Um, Many of them come here and they've worked hard, they've retired, and our community tends to be one that people have real pride and fall in love with the community, but it's beyond our arts and beaches and golf courses. People want to find what makes them feel more worthwhile. And as we know, volunteering, um, obviously donating, serving on boards, but part of our use of this database is matchmaking for, as you've said, gosh, I care about, in this case, Project 180 um, reintegrates former offenders into community life. So it, it really helps you quickly find something that does resonate with you and you can begin to start that conversation dialogue. Of, and we always encourage people, um, we'll help introduce you, pick up the phone, go meet with them. Um, mm-hmm. This isn't the only piece of it, but it's for us, when you walk through our door, if you're a nonprofit, this is the first place you go. And that opens up this just plethora of other opportunities. But I have to stress the humanness of this, whether you're a donor, a beneficiary, that aspect of our work can never be lost. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're talking about community building among philanthropists. We're talking about building a strong nonprofit sector in a local community. And we're talking with someone passionate about both and with an innovative track record to prove it. We're speaking with Roxy Jurdy, the CEO of the Community Foundation of Sarasota County, who's introducing us to the Power of a Guide Star project she spearheaded called Donor Edge, which is branded locally throughout the country and in Sarasota is branded as the giving partner. Um, tell us a little bit about the giving challenge in Sarasota and how it works. This, again, feels it feels really important for people to understand how this data gets used to bring the community together. 
Um, couple things, and oh, are we excited about our challenge? And I know many communities have done this. Some have abandoned it. Others continue to do it with great success. We are particularly fortunate here in Sarasota to have a partner, the Patterson Foundation, who dreams big. And what they have done, Joan, is so phenomenal. Uh, We just had a challenge May 1st and 2nd for 24 hours. And the Patterson Foundation, led by Deborah Jacobs, they offered up to $100, uh, every donation up to $100, one per organization per individual, they matched. But there was no limit on this. (laughs) Wow. I mean, how many um, how many boards, to be honest, can you go to and say, yeah, we're into this giving thing. We're going to match up to $100 per person, per organization, and there's no cap on it. And she did that because she wanted our nonprofit partners to dream big themselves. And, you know, what if there were no limits? What could I do? So we began the challenge in 2012 as we brought the giving partner to our community and we wanted it to be a a way to drive um, attention, to get people to know what it was. So our first challenge, I think we raised a little over $2 million. So um, this last challenge um, with the infrastructure the community foundation has built and we've got lots of media partners, we encourage a lot of, um, we had over $300,000 in prizes for best nonprofit, nonprofit partnership, nonprofit business partnership, best social media campaign, a multitude of areas. And we encourage nonprofits to pick one they want to work on to um, make themselves better. But what was exciting about our challenge we just did, we had 49,000 unique individuals give. 49,000. We had 75,000 individual gifts and over $11.7 million was raised. I mean, we were like, holy smokes. Talk about people feeling. And we... We believe this in our soul at the Community Foundation that everyone can be the one to make a difference in another person, a cause, a community. And how beautifully that came to life that you could feel like I could make a difference with my $25 gift or my $100 gift or my $1,000 gift. But to have that feel, and our nonprofit partners, they reached out to their donor base, their friends reached out to their friends, and it made giving so much fun, but at the end of the day, raised some serious bucks, if you will, for our nonprofit partners. So what I really love about this, we're getting ready to send out $11.7 million into our community to about 630 local nonprofits. That infusion of cash flow that they get from this really allows them to focus more on mission as well. So that's another great byproduct. They work hard to do the challenge, but it allows them in a way some breathing room to get that cash unrestricted uh, for what they need to really focus on ultimately their programs and how they're accomplishing their mission. 
to um, for for folks who have not had the joy and pleasure of spending time in Sarasota, um, frame this for them. What's the population of the county you serve and this you know, sort of six hundred and Fifty nonprofits that are part of the uh, of the giving partner sort of represents how many people in the Sarasota. Great question. In fact, uh, Joan, when I was approached by a search firm for this position, I did not know where Sarasota was in Florida. Um, So I I obviously got here and there was something magical, um, not only about the community, but in my case, our board had a clear vision what they wanted to do. But Sarasota, Manatee, Charlotte, DeSoto are the four counties we consider our region. We have about a million people that are year-round residents here. We're a seasonal community, so um, those snowbirds flock here um, for six months-ish, and we probably increase by another three, 400,000 people. So we're mm-hmm. talking up to a million four um, who a million live here and an influx of another three or 400,000. Sarasota is equally divided between um, those under 25, 25 to 65, and 65 and older. So we skew a a little bit on the older side, but very um, vibrant, successful people that choose to come here. So, um, but we also are a community whose a lot of industry here, if you will, is tourism and construction. So we have a lot of needs. Half of our school kids in our district in Sarasota, um, 42,000 students, half are on free and reduced lunch. So we, we are a lot of what America sees of the working poor, and we got the really wealthy. So that's helpful just to give people a sense of what Sarasota, um, sort of the basic lay of the land there. You mentioned in one of the early conversations you and I had that this tool and this this initiative democratizes philanthropy. Can you explain what you mean by that? Absolutely. I think so often when you use the word philanthropy and people may quibble on, is it charitable? Is it philanthropic? Is it a donation? Is it an investment? However, the fact that some people think, oh, I'm not wealthy enough, Uh, my gift isn't going to make a difference or my donation. And I think we've proven through the giving challenge and our foundation has a very low limit to open a donor advised funds. We really want philanthropic giving to be accessible to everyone. The average gift during the giving challenge almost 50,000 people was $89. And $89 collectively was 11.7. So there's something magical about a pride point that you have because you know, I made a difference for an organization I care about. And that feeling helps bring people together and feel they're part of something bigger than themselves. So I I think that when I say democratize, it's something that's open to everyone. It's not shutting people out. So because of this, and how much do we talk about being inclusive um, into uh, what community means? So that is the piece that I think is so 
really wonderful about people feel this is their community. These are nonprofits. They're passionate about what they're doing. So it, it, it gives an equal opportunity for everyone to participate. There's something else that you bring with this that I, that I feel when I'm in Sarasota around this, you know, around this giving challenge is that the word philanthropy comes from the Greek and it means love of humankind. Oh, great, Joan. And think about that for a minute. And I feel like there's something so ever so joyful about what you do, that you bring people together, you build a community of people who feel like you're absolutely right, that are part of something bigger, but like whether it's these fun prizes or, you know, you do this thing called the site visit shuffle where you get nonprofits to go visit one another. I mean, this is, it's not, honestly, it's not rocket science, but it, it reframes philanthropy as a community building experience that's yes. joyful. And, you know, Joan, as you say that, in, in some ways, we see so much divisiveness in politics and um, perhaps not the greatest civility. But what happens here, you can be passionate about the arts or you may be, you know what, those arts don't interest me in the least. I care about my cat. And cats are what I care about, and you may care about dogs, but we find a space, a place that we feel at home, that we that speaks to us, and it's reflective and honoring. Somebody else cares about other things. Isn't that great? But you mesh it all together, and we have a much stronger community. I will share with you, um, we did a celebration this year, um, a month after the challenge ended. And so rarely do we even bring together our nonprofit partners. And we did it just to celebrate giving and the success that everyone had achieved mm -hmm. throughout the challenge. And even that people were meeting others they didn't know, or they had looked at our leaderboard and they were at the top, didn't quite know what they do. So um, it was fun just seeing that. And one example, we had um, a restaurant on the beach in Venice called Sharky's. They did a nonprofit festival for the giving challenge. Mm -hmm. Get this, they allowed the nonprofits in Venice, it's one of the communities in our um, area here, they had, I think, 18 nonprofits that set up, if you would, booths or tables. They had like a special cocktail that was a giving challenge cocktail. I think they gave away free appetizers if you made a donation. It was right on the beach. But those nonprofits would they, they compete on many um, you know for donors, but yes. they realized if they came together collectively and had this party, if you will, I mean, what a great example of bringing people together. So everyone was at the, this very popular restaurant. They got exposed to things they didn't even know about. So it was it was really cool to see those things. They happened organically. You know, we put out a structure with prizes, but people were so creative of how they came together and uh, you mentioned the site visit shuffle. Um, from our vantage point, we did this bringing opportunities on a Friday. And a good example is our therapeutic writing nonprofits. They hadn't all been to each other's facilities. 
So they took a half day and learned from each other and with some wonderful collaborations came out of just by, you'd think I could just pick the phone up and call. Well, you just don't do that. So we're happy that we can add some impetus to be able to have some simple structure that allows in a way more organic things to emerge and happen as well. One of the things that really strikes me about this whole initiative is the extent to which the work of community foundations in some places will seem like they're, it's kind of over there. <laughs> Whereas in Sarasota, there's a central focus on community building through philanthropy. And, yes. and, I, and I do believe that uh, Sarasota as a community um, is strengthened and enriched by a program like that. And that is really something worth getting out of bed in the morning for, isn't it, Roxy? Ah, thank you, Joan. Um, I know there's great things going on all across the country. So um, I, I hope we're, um, you know, we shine a light a few times. Um, my comments at the end of the challenge, that sun was shining even brighter here on Sarasota has people um, really stepped up to give and um, the joy that brought. But ultimately, when you think of the people who are going to be better served because of this giving event, that's where you start to feel the magic of what happened. Yeah, totally. So I want to know, I want, I want our listeners, let's say I live in a city that does not have this. Um, can I, can I, uh, what should I, what should I do if I'm a donor or I'm a, a nonprofit and I would like the, the giving partner to come to my city. Is that possible? Yes, absolutely. GuideStar is our partner and GuideStar is really stepping up their commitment to be that resource with dual purposes. And I've come to appreciate this about the giving partner. Absolutely. It's great for donors. We have staff use it as well. We're so much more nimble by going online ourselves to find out who's doing what in our community. But second, it's this way for a nonprofit by virtue of creating a profile. And I encourage nonprofits uh, to go to GuideStar if they don't have one of these tools in their community um, or go to their community foundation and suggest that they do this. But the platinum level at GuideStar really is a marvelous way. If you want to have that roadmap, the profile questions are very similar to what we have um, on Donor Edge, but it begins to give you a way to look at your own organization. And another thing, Joan, I work with our nonprofits. Go look at the Donor Edge Giving Partner Profile in Boston, in Nashville, those in Houston, the California Community Foundation, those of us that use this same tool. You know, I worked with our library foundation when they started, and I went and pulled up profiles across the country, and it helped them look at themselves and be able to begin to do some benchmarking. So the ability to easily go in these other communities and look at a similar organization, you start learning a lot about how do I measure up? What can I learn? So I would encourage others, not only those of us across the country, 
that use this tool, and they're listed on the GuideStar.org site, but also um, GuideStar has really stepped up their commitment to transparency, being a resource, helping be that toolkit roadmap for nonprofits to continually be better, strengthen themselves. So we're just about out of time, and I just want to make sure that you um, offer people, if they want to know more about the the, uh, Community Foundation of Sarasota County, uh, about the giving partner there, you want to toss out the the website addresses that they can can visit for more information? Thank you. Um, Absolutely. It is uh, C like in community, F has in foundation, Sarasota. Org. And we've got a great team that works on our giving partner here. And um, we um, love being a resource and talking with others. So if, if we can be helpful, um, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And if I, if I wanted to test drive the giving partner in Sarasota, I don't need any kind of special, I could just go there right now, couldn't I? Absolutely. Where would I, Free- go, where would I go, my friend? Uh, you would go to thegivingpartner.org. There you go. And so it's a, it, it would be very interesting if you have a few minutes to take a look because it will bring this podcast to life for you by seeing what's in there and how you can sort the data. Um, and if you're a nonprofit, you know, sort of what are those different metrics that DonorEdge requires, how you might bring it to some other city. So that was one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to Roxy was because, A, she's an innovator, and secondly, she's bringing joy and community building to Sarasota, and thirdly, because I wanted more people to know about it so more people would do it. So with that said, um, Roxy, thank you so much for sharing your insights for your clear commitment to a strong and vibrant nonprofit sector. Those of us who fundraise are really clear that it makes people feel really good to give to causes they care about. And in that spirit, um, uh, Sarasota is in your debt for everything that you do to demonstrate the gift and the joy of philanthropy for so many. So thank you so much for joining us, Roxy. Joan, thank you. And thank you for what you do for spreading the word. And um, I'm humbled to have had the opportunity to uh, have this conversation with you. So thank you. You're very, very welcome. So thank you so much to Roxy. And um, as we close out, uh, Roxy and I are kindred spirits in the business of uh, the joy of nonprofit leadership. And those of you who follow my blog at joangary.com, see practical advice and also a certain sense of humor that comes along with things to keep things light and joyful. And um, in terms of providing resources to small, especially smaller nonprofits, which we do through our nonprofit leadership lab, which is a really nice complement to some of the things we've been talking about with Roxy today. Um, This is a uh, online membership site for board and staff members of small nonprofits who can afford neither consultants or coaches. And you can learn more about that at nonprofitleadershiplab.com. So until next time, uh, thank you as always for everything that you do um, in a world that needs us now more than ever. Thanks. See you soon. Joan Gary's obsession with supporting your work takes many forms. Subscribe to her blog at joangary.com reaching over 100,000 visitors monthly from over 170 countries. Explore the Nonprofit Leadership Lab, the best online resource for board and staff leaders of small nonprofits at nonprofitleadershiplab.com. Join 15,000 kindred spirits on Facebook 
at Thriving Nonprofit with Joan Gary.